Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Stricken Roll. I'm your host, Winnie Pooh, and today we are joined by uh, not a first-time guest of the pod, but a first time in a long time. You may remember him from his former existence on Twitter as at Nick's Ill, Nick's Illustrated. His name is Conrad Rothbaum, but he now goes by OG Anakani. Uh, <laughs> OGC, how are you doing on this uh, Friday afternoon? I'm good. I just hope everyone remembers me. The, the Twitter, the Twitter sphere, or now this they call it the X sphere. The <laughs> the churn is so fast, and I got churned underneath it. <laughs> well, maybe uh, you know we can just play, right? We'll just be like, "Don't you forget, forget about me?" About me. <laughs> but we have to pay I'll, royalties for that. I wouldn't want that to happen. I'll just, I'll just, I'll record myself singing it uh, after. I'll just have Paul make sure to insert it here. Um, all right. We're going to probably continue to be silly, but before we continue to be silly, I do have to make a few announcements. The first thing that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. It is at www. Sorry, that's not at a www. That's just at the Strickland on Instagram. Posting all kinds of UConn sound on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are not done so already, please hit like, subscribe to the channel, leave us a comment. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which is available on our website. You can find that you can find that at www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. There's all kinds of cool stuff on there: t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles. You name it, we've got it. Even uh, some merch featuring our dearly departed sons uh, that have gone north of the wall. Uh, the Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six-dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that airs every Friday. Friday. You also get access to Takes from Robbie Spozos. Our newest podcast hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. And you also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, this pod, where I rant and rave about the next thing more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast, which you guessed it, is about the NFL. That is hosted by Jeffrey Rasmussen and Constantine Metricos. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits. Go listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting the podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Or to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, all right. You, Schwinn, they need to hire you to do voiceovers for pharmaceutical ads. <laughs> <laughs> get through the side effects real quick, like <laughs> diarrhea, stress, depression, sometimes death. <laughs> <laughs> the symptoms can vary from a minor cold to bleeding out of your asshole. It's like, oh, that sounds bad. I'm not so sure. Wait, I are you that. are you guys trying to unload quickly in RJ gear? Is that what's happening? 
No, I mean, we just have it there. I'm sure that a lot of it's like, oh, okay. Orders, it's print so. on print on demand, right? Yeah. 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 I would hope Honestly, you're not the like quickly stuff, the quickly stuff is awesome. I, I, I will always be wearing that one because I love quickly, but two, it's actually like the coolest thing we came up with. Um, which I had nothing to do with because I have zero artistic creativity. I just like to talk about, I like to evaluate people that have artistic creativity and I like to judge them. Uh, but I myself <laughs> do not create art. I do not create art. <laughs> you're, a, you're a connoisseur, you know, you're a connoisseur specifically about, you know, bas basketball related merchandise. <laughs> I will say though, o coming up with OG merch is going to be a little bit more difficult. The guy is not a bastion of charisma. <laughs> Um, well, look, like, I guess, you know, you have not, uh, talked about the Knicks anywhere. Really? Yeah. Not, no, not in a while. Not in a while. Um, so I think the last time that you wrote or did anything Knicks related was, um, was it like when we wrote this, that, that alternative, alternative, alternative universe where, uh, we traded, um, for D'Angelo Russell and RJ was a maverick. And I guess what I'm going to ask you is. Do you feel like maybe you're more okay with trading RJ now than you were in that at that time in your life? <laughs> oh my God. If we had <laughs> traded RJ back then, it would have been like scorched earth. I remember saying like to my friend, like RJ must retire a Nick. <laughs> I said some crazy <laughs> shit about RJ. I think at one point, I'm pretty sure I got mad at Macri because I was like, don't compare him to Michael Finley. He has to be more. No, look, I, I, I still stand by that because I'm like, I'm sorry, you don't draft somebody third overall, and if they're like a three-time all-star, that's good. That's just like it's like I get that that might be well, the average. That's like the maybe that's the average outcome for the third overall pick. But obviously, when you have that pick, you're hoping to draft somebody that's like a future Hall of Famer. That's what you're trying absolutely, to Absolutely, but but it so rarely happens to be right, fair. Right. And but. and honestly, in retrospect, uh John was 100% right. He was like, uh, my, what if he's just Karis Lavert?" And I was like, "Don't fucking say that shit, bro." But guess what? He might just be Karis <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I still think he's better than Karis Lover. We could give him that. I do think probably, God, I mean, are we getting into it? I mean, I think he's probably best as a bench, a bench role player, scorer type. I just think he's a tough fit right now, though. Just in general, like if we're like, you know, not being silly, but if you're being serious about RJ, it's like, I, one, I think. I'm happy for him, like genuinely happy for him to leave because I don't think he had a chance of being whatever the ultimate best version of him can be in New York. Um, I've talked next about this to Julius, next to Julius yeah. specifically, right? Yeah, I mean, and and like Julius and Brunson, to be honest, because it's like he doesn't have the latitude to kind of like do shit and experiment. And then when he uses possessions inefficiently, it's like it's kind of a, I get it from his perspective where he's like, well, I'm the third option. So when I get these touches, like I have to try to get mine in these spots. And that's, I understand that logic, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, but like, what if you just passed a little bit more? What if like you were better at finishing? What if, what if, what, <laughs> yeah, like it's, and I, I, I think there's like a, I, I think there's like, it's a kind of like a feedback loop, right? Where it's like, you understand where he's – I understand where he's coming from. And I also think, like, in New York, he's always going to feel the pressure of, like – like, this is the Wiggins thing, right? When he's in Minnesota, there's the pressure of justifying where you were picked by that franchise. Sure. So RJ's always going to have to justify, as long as he's in New York, 
I was the third overall pick. And I think that creates pressure on him to be like, okay, I have to be like a 22 point per game scorer. I have to like do this stuff. And at, at a certain point, like, look, whatever you want to say about Julius in the playoffs. And obviously we've all said plenty about that at this point. Like, look, I think we can almost say the 2021, 22 season is, is the aberration of him. Like aside from that, well, yeah, he, he's been magnificent in Tibbs' first year. He was amazing last year. And honestly, I think right now, if he continues the way he's going, this is the best version of Julius that we've seen. And the one that I think is most likely to actually be successful in the playoffs. And like, I can't take away touches from him to benefit RJ. I can't take away touches from Brunson to benefit RJ. And honestly, it got to a point where like the frustration that I think I, and a lot of fans had was like, why are we taking away touches and minutes from Emmanuel quickly to satisfy RJ Barrett? Because it's like, these guys are all more efficient than you. They're more dynamic than you. And in quickly's case, not only are they more like, is he more dynamic, but he's also, consistently a better defender and just a net positive player who happens to also play better with Julius Randle and with Jalen Brunson. And like, I just think there's at some point like that frustration. I mean, I think you can see it with, I'm sure you've watched the game since the trade. And it's like, I think you can visibly see like kind of an almost like, I don't want to say like, a, it almost feels like there's a burden off the shoulders of like, Julius and Brunson where they're like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, this guy, OG is just going to do nothing but stand in the corner <laughs> and cut the baseline and like be a pterodactyl on defense. And it's, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's just like kind of refreshing for them and probably just, you know, like familiarity breeds contempt at a certain point. They're probably like, dude, RJ, can you just fucking not bro? <laughs> can you just not? <laughs> I know. Well, I think, you know, I was talking about this with some friends, like, the trade makes Legit, a lot was it, more. Was it Jeremy? Is that friend? Jer yeah, friend, really. <laughs> Just friend. <laughs> the trade, and he's my only friend, really. I was talking about this trade with a source. <laughs> <laughs> with a source who has other sources. Um, I mean, I was saying, like, the trade makes a lot more sense to me. Obviously, it hurts to lose Emmanuel quickly, right? Um, we upgraded the wing. I mean, it's it's pretty staggering, like how watching the games, like how much better OG is than RJ, and how much better the offense is. How, like you said, how much better he fits with Brunson and Julius, and and how much it flows. And and in, in in that sense, the trade was worth it to me. It obviously hurts to lose quickly, but the trade makes a lot more sense to me. You know, I was listening to. Zach Lowe talk about um talk about the trade uh and well, he was that was about... really funny because they spent like 95 percent of it just talking about the Raptors and I was like can we get to the part where you guys talk about the Knicks like just a little bit just a little bit I was very I was very by the way uh, also listening to Sam Bassini very disappointed to find Macri on that pod I'm like I listen to you on Nick's film school you're not supposed <laughs> to be here <laughs> this is not your home are you too this good to not... your home yeah <laughs> um but uh, Zach Lowe is particular with saying that he had spoken to a lot of executives post-trade or a handful of them or whatever. And some of them referred to RJ's contract as a toxic asset. Yeah. So the trade makes a lot more sense to me if you don't look at RJ's contract as a neutral asset and then Emmanuel quickly as a sweetener that brought OG over. It makes sense to me if you look at Emmanuel quickly is probably the best asset in the deal, right? 
Um, he's, he's the best a, player in the deal. I think he'll end up being the best player in the deal anyway. I think he has the I don't think he is right now. We can argue about that. But, yeah, that's I mean, fine. Actually, but I think he has the long-term potential to be by far the best player yeah. in the deal. Um, but it makes sense to me that you traded, if you look at it as not that you traded RJ as a neutral asset and then Emmanuel quickly as a sweetener for OG, but that you traded IQ for OG and uh, to offset the lack of, of the disparity in the value, you attached RJ as a toxic asset. Yeah, I mean, I think getting off RJ's contract was 100% a huge motivation for them. And then you can track this going back to this past summer where it's like they kicked the tires on Zach Levine. They kicked the tires on OG, which we are, which we obviously know, and they kicked the tires on Paul George. Like, I know that there was there were a lot of people like concocting trade scenarios where it was like, we keep RJ and we add these guys, and I'm like, guys, it makes no fucking sense to like keep RJ if you're adding these guys. Like, it just it it you're you're doing way too much. It's very obvious they're trying to upgrade on RJ Barrett's position. Yeah, and and I think like the thing with quickly, and we can talk about it more, uh, but like. I think that he was just misused and underutilized in New York. And like, I reject the idea that him and Brunson 100%. Like I actually, do, I agree with the idea that Brunson and IQ was not a functional backcourt at the highest levels of competitive basketball, blah, blah, blah. But one, we were not playing the highest levels of like that. We were not in the highest levels of competitive basketball, like at all during this time. And two, like he spent two years starting bums at point guard over Emmanuel quickly. So I don't want to hear about like the fit of he, he just fundamentally, Tibbs fundamentally did not believe Emmanuel quickly was a starting caliber player. Did not matter the position. That's what he thought. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, like, I really don't want to hear the rest because to me, he just has cognitive biases that he refuses to get over and he will always value his own judgment over any and all statistical data because if he believed in statistical data he would have started Emmanuel quickly for like years now at this point and we would have had a lot more data to like conclusively determine can him and Jalen Brunson play together at the highest levels of competitive basketball or not uh, but we will never know that now thank you you thank heard you it here first uh, tips yeah. has dementia <laughs> yeah, he he might have you seen his hand Schwin, Schwin his, going his after hand? his cognition yeah but he he's just a fucking He's a fucking asshole. Um, but, but like, I, so if, if you go with the idea of like, okay, whatever we think about Emmanuel quickly, the reality is if the front office likes Tibbs, let's very specifically if Leon likes Tibbs, then you have a problem because it's very obvious to me that quickly and RJ, though RJ being upset, I don't care about, but like quickly and justifiably, probably was like, what the fuck is happening? I'm playing less minutes than I did last year and I am better and I'm better every year. And I do everything you ask of me. You didn't give me a contract, which whatever, you didn't give me the extension I wanted. And now you're cutting my minutes in a contract year. Like I think things were coming to a head um, and they had to make a move. And to your point, like I think quickly is perfect for Toronto. Like he's exactly the type of guard you would want next to Scotty Barnes. Um, and they were not going to get like the, they, there's no premium pick package that was coming for OG, right? Because he's the type of player, the teams that are going to give you picks are like the Knicks Memphis, like teams that are good are going to be like, yeah, dude, like we'll give you three picks for OG. And you're like, well, 
awesome. What am I doing with like three picks that are going to be 22? You know, like how valuable really is that? Um, right. And the Knicks are giving you a chance at a guy. I mean, look, I, I don't care really what anybody says, but I thought he could be a starting caliber point guard for a long ass time. And I 100% believe that now, you know, what level all star, what I, I don't know. I just know that every single time he's on the floor, magically, his team wins his minutes by a lot, um, regardless of what he shoots from the field and whatever. That's all I know. Um, so like, I think they took the bet on that. And, you know, there was a report today from Jake Fisher that, um, that or sorry from Shams that last year at the deadline, the Knicks had offered Evan Fournier and three picks. Um, I had heard something similar at the time. I believe that they probably, I think they countered and asked for Emmanuel quickly at the time also. And the Knicks rebuffed that obviously the value of things has changed at this point in time. And for the Knicks getting off of RJ Barrett and not just getting off of RJ Barrett, but effectively converting his starting spot into an upgrade was paramount to them. Even if I don't know if the Raptors, I, 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 from what I feel like, I don't think the Raptors really cared about what picks the Knicks would offer. I think they wanted quickly. So at the end of the day, you've got to make a choice. Like, are we going to value quickly who, yeah, he might be the best. He might end up being the best player in the deal, but if your coach isn't going to use him max like or optimize his usage or prioritize his usage, who gives a fuck? Because it's just not going to matter. And also, like to not just blame Tibbs, like they needed to make a call. Like they they they've been doing I've done, I think they've done a really good job of being patient, accumulating assets, all that type of stuff. But at a certain point in time, you've got to plant your flag and be like, okay, well, what are we doing? And if they believe Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are tentpole offensive players, then you have to prioritize that and you have to also make a move. And like they effectively, I think they've thought internally for a while, they're not that far off from contending. And to me, this is a move that signals like it sucks to lose quickly, not so much to lose RJ, but we believe bring in OG Ananobi, who we know is going to be a 30 plus minutes per game starter um, is a more valuable piece to us in terms of pushing the ceiling and being a contender than keeping the better asset, better player who we don't have the minutes for. We do not have the role for to impact the game the way that we maybe would want to, or what would want him to, or maybe that he even optimally could. And so um, I think this was a tough call for them. I think this was like, a very much, I, I tweeted this, I kind of like have said this, but I do think this was kind of like a, the first like, you know, real business decision type moment for the, in the Leon era. And that's inevitable. Like that's just what happens. You can't just expect guys to permanently be happy in the roles that, that you have for them. Um, and it's what it is. Um, you know, I will, my, my main frustration isn't really that like they did the trade and quickly went out. My main frustration is I will always believe that like they never, they, they did not maximize him as a player in his time here and they never gave him a true shot. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a result, like you can, like they clearly got really good value. Like OG is a fucking hell of a player and he's obviously a player. A lot of teams covet. So it's not like you yeah. walked away with nothing, but I think there's a pretty reasonable argument and we'll see, we'll see how it goes over the next few years. But like, there's a reasonable argument the Knicks did not maximize the asset either. And um, that's, you know, look, if you're going to be value traders, like that's something you got to look at. So um, look, the Knicks turned the page and I think they needed to. And I also think they will upgrade the bench guard position before the deadline. And if they do that, um, 
you know, it'll always suck to lose quickly, but I think the Knicks will ultimately be better on aggregate with OG plus 80% bench guard of quickly versus RJ and quickly. And, you know, I, I just, that's just what I think about it. It's kind of like a shitty way maybe to view it, but um, it's, no, it's I mean, what it is. I, I think it's the reality. I mean, I appreciate a lot of what you're saying. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, the, it's, it, it feels like we gave up a great asset. I mean, partly because quickly, um, quickly always got better on this team. Like he, I mean, if you actually compare him to RJ and not to keep dumping on RJ, but we will, um, <laughs> He he was started a year behind RJ. He was drafted the year after. He had a shortened season that first year. And he lapped RJ in development like several times, in my opinion. Um, and I think he did prove that he was a starting caliber point guard. And the worry ultimately was because we were bringing him off the bench, I didn't know if around the league people would value him as that player that I knew he was, which was... This guy could be a, a really good, almost like a Brunson-esque starting point guard, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, a very Brunson-esque and, situation. So at least the Knicks did get something of value instead of being like, oh, I guess we'll just let him walk. No, like, <laughs> totally. And and that's what actually excited me about the deal because I started worrying just that we wouldn't... We, we, we see like six men of the year every year traded for basically peanuts. Um, yeah. And I was like, just because we're bringing him off the bench, I was worried that there would be a stigma when we eventually traded him because the writing was on the wall when they didn't extend him to me. They were probably far off on a contract, you know, number. Um, yeah, I mean, and I was just worried. The reporting is the Knicks offered him something like 18 to 20 million and he wanted 25. So, yeah, I mean, not like they were in, you know, universes apart, but definitely a, a significant gap in valuation. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think that he he probably deserves that. Um, yeah. And I was worried that, you know, he wouldn't just be valued that way. But what excited me about this deal was two things. One, we did get the value for IQ. We didn't, I mean, dumping RJ's contract lowered his value. value somewhat, but they, they, uh, but, but there's, but there's also value to like, like, it, yeah, you don't love including that stuff in a deal, but like it, it's this to me on, it's not the same thing, but it's a little bit like the Kristaps trade where like people were like, Oh my God, like you got these picks, but really you just used Kristaps to dump these contracts. And I'm like, look, I get that. Like, maybe you don't understand but like there's a lot of value in dumping in dumping contract i mean yeah, that tim hardaway jr thing i remember i was like we'll never move that like <laughs> <laughs> and i was really sad to see like that we had to trade chris Dapps to move it but whatever yeah. like we got <laughs> off of it um, well, it's just it's just like a value that i think fans because what what the and i i get it because you're like oh so you you had to give up like you had to use this asset to unload a deal that you made and it's like sure one i actually have a really tough time criticizing them too much for the rj contract because it's like dude that contract no, it, was, just, it, it was it was just no an average at the time yeah if he's just a solid starting wing that's like a good contract which so yeah. that to me is not like some insane bet they made and then the other and then like who the hell was sitting here when that contract was signed saying like what an awful deal i don't think anybody was so it's it's a, I, I think they had to move on RJ, right? Like ultimately, you know, you see how last year plays out, right? You make the second round. And if you're realistically looking there as a front office, 
you're thinking, okay, we made the second round. We lost to a team in six games that went to the finals. That has been a elite Eastern conference team now for whatever, five, six, seven years. And like Randall played like shit. Maybe it's because he, his ankle was fucked up. We had a lot of guys crater offensively in the playoffs, but like we were not that far off. And we don't think RJ Barrett is going to hit this high level of impact that we want from that position. And more importantly, he doesn't complement our two key players in an, in an ideal way. So at that point, it's like, look, we can sit here and try and justify the contract or, you know, fucking like, like make, try and just keep, just keep trying to make it work the way Tibbs was who, I mean, Jesus Christ, Tibbs, like enough, like at some point, just know that RJ is not good and you can start the guy that's actually good and give him a chance. Um, but like, like you just had to make, I, I just don't know how you could like if they, if they chose to that, try and try and be more concerned about proving their initial bet, right. Versus being like, okay, you know what? The RJ co- contract is bad. We're probably not going to play Emmanuel quick. We're not going to be able to pay Emmanuel quickly what he wants, or maybe not. I don't want to say not going to be able to, we won't pay Emmanuel quickly what he wants because it just doesn't make sense to us. Then you have to figure out a way to move those guys and get value. And, and yeah, and, and they did it. We were, and they did it. So I, I can at least respect that. And like hard choices are hard choices because you're going to like, you're giving up something of value. So it hurts, but you get back something of value and now you see it and you're like, okay, well it sucks that we lost quickly, but OG guys, pretty good. And we don't have to watch RJ Barrett anymore. <laughs> Ultimately, I think, you know, we were lucky given how Tibbs depreciated Emmanuel Quickly's value that that the Raptors admitted that they valued him that highly. You know what I'm saying? Like, clearly yeah. they, they like you said, he's the perfect fit with Scotty Barnes. Um, and that... When you have a player like Scotty Barnes, it's tough to find that other player that fits with them. You know what I mean? Especially, and a guard, they, especially a yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like to find that like combo guard who can play on or off and defends and and distributes and basically is the do everything that quickly was. And I mean, it was exciting to me that we got them to admit that he was that valuable and that we got OG. Uh, in return because i i was just worried that we wouldn't but ultimately i think the second thing is og's arrival it it harbinges the era of like our contention window is open yeah you know like and they and they and and they made this move to to push towards that and so like yeah like there's always this idea i remember a few years ago when you remember when like the obviously when the warriors signed kevin durant there was this whole there, there was all these weird reports of like teams being like, well, we just got to pack it in for the next few years because there's no way we can compete. And like, you know, whatever you say about Daryl Morey, the one thing I respected is Morey was like, fuck that. Like, I'm going for it. Like, I'm getting Chris Paul and we're <laughs> going to take a shot. And like, yeah. I, I can respect that. And the thing is, like, I have not criticized this front office for it because I actually think they did the right thing to not to like be patient and hold firm to their valuations and not make deals that they thought were overpays just because they, Oh, we got to get Donovan Mitchell. Right. Like don't make deals with the idea that you have to do something, make deals that hit your valuations. And I was good with them doing that. But like, I, again, like things were coming to a head this season, right? You got 
guys up for contracts and all this shit going on. Like you needed to make choices. And I think they, they basically were like, let's get OG and let's start pushing towards this thing. And like, they, they're, I think they're going to like this whole notion of like, these guys don't want to make big moves because they're more concerned about keeping their jobs and they're hoarding assets. And blah. well, this is why you did all of that because like, look at what you got OG for. Say whatever you want. If I told you last year at the deadline, they're getting OG and an OB. If I told anybody, not forget Knicks fans, right? Or Raptors fans, just people around the NBA or fans of other teams. The Knicks are going to get OG and an OB for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Cook. People would have laughed at you. They would have laughed at you. Well, also and, just the idea that there were no picks in the deal. Like, yeah, it was I mean, like the one the second, Detroit. The second round pick, which is, is a, I'm not diminishing that, but there were no first round picks in the yeah. deal. And and I think the Knicks, like to, the way I evaluate the trade is like the pick is as like a sweetener to take the RJ contract. And then it's kind of like a swap of quick for our OG. That's like more or less how I generally am viewing it. But maybe, yeah. you know, you can say oh, IQ's a better value. Like he's the better, he's the highest valued asset so maybe like it's that plus the pick that makes that incentivize them to take rj either way the knicks did not give up like most of their draft capital right and so like the fact that they still have all that gives them options they still have that fournier expiring contract which i'm i'm i'll be shocked if they don't use that plus some draft capital to get in like a bench guard uh that that to me has to be the the next thing you know i i would like for it to be brogdon which is ironic given that brogdon stole the sixth man of the year award for Emmanuel quickly. What some might say he's better than quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, now that I think about it, uh, yeah. I have such a... uh next time you have me on, it's going to be like Malcolm Brog, Brogcon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I think they, it's just honestly, like there comes a point where look, last year was awesome. I love that team. That team was super fun and they had a great year. Like there's no, question about it right you make the second round of the playoffs for the first time in a decade you beat cleveland which is like it was so satisfying yeah. to be Cle- it was it was so yeah. satisfying to beat cleveland <laughs> it was so satisfying to be cleveland and i just beat them but like actually just beat the shit out of them with with grimes hurt and with randall playing like garbage like just still yeah yeah crap out of them and yeah you know and it was we'll also so say rj did pretty well yeah. yes throughout most of that playoff run to yeah. make up for how badly randall was playing yeah, and and so like it was a fun year, but like you can't. It's just not realistic to expect to expect them to like keep making the same decisions and 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 to bring back the same team and all these things. So, um, yeah. Ultimately, quickly was the blood sacrifice that opened up our contention window is how I feel about it. And I look our, our contention when you window doesn't truly open until we have the third star in there. And oh, I'm not saying OG is that, but the idea that we've created this like sort of perfect landing spot for a star, we've uh, added two champions to the team in, uh, in OG and, People forget Dante. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. It's um, funny, though, because neither actually played in the finals that their team was on.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.